0: the world to your ears. Welcome to Yakin' with Yesian, a podcast about music and its business. Featuring your host, Dan Yesian.
1: Well, here I am with both my sons, Brian and Michael, and I'm going to actually interview them. This has not been done ever, ever. So this uh, 50-year anniversary brings us to a point where I can get them all in one place partially due to the fact that we've had a pandemic and they haven't been able to fly around the world. So Brian, Michael, thank you for uh, joining me. I have a lot of questions for both of you in this family business.
0: I'm sure you do. Thank Thank you for having us, Dan.
1: Pardon? (laughs) Thank you for having
0: us,
2: Dan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Brian, how long have you been with the company?
2: Well, uh, it started in 1996. I think I started interning here. Wow. So, and then finishing college during that time. So, yeah, it's 25, 25 getting close to that. 25 yeah. years.
0: Michael? Uh, 1999, I started interning here. And uh, so, 19 years. Wow. It's quite a long time. So, the big question for me is
1: what's the memory? Of the earliest that you would have, as to what interested you about this whole music business.
2: Well, you know, I never intended to come into the business. I was always going to school for clarinet performance, and I wanted to perform and play and and studied overseas in Austria. I came back at Wayne State, and I was always playing. And then I, I think it was when I started interning here, way back then, and. You know, I was working at the front desk, I was answering phones, I was assisting in the studio, and I just really was kind of having fun with it. I thought it was really interesting having this kind of mix of technology and business and and music all in one place. And I mean, of course, we grew up in it, and I was surrounded by it, but I don't know if I really ever knew as much in depth about it until I started working here. Uh, And from there, I just kind of got hooked and then I didn't want to do the performance as much as I wanted to keep kind of going with the excitement and the thrill and the new things that would pop up every day over here. So I guess that's,
1: and I want to let let our audience know, too, that you were you did study in Europe. You studied clarinet, and you studied classically performance at the Mozart Tam, right? Anything right. you want to say about that? I mean, the the challenges that you had over there anything or anything?
2: Yeah, well, you quickly realize when you're studying over there with the caliber of other players, you're it's like the creme de la creme of players from all over the world, so the competition becomes fierce. I mean, my fellow clarinet players that I was studying with were from Japan and Korea and Russia and Germany and Austria. Now a lot of them are playing with the Vian Philharmonic and the New York Philharmonic and in the in Doha in the Middle East, and they're making they've made great careers of of playing their instrument. Um, so the the competition was it was a hard place to study and really, you know. Uh, dig into the performance aspect of things.
1: Would you find that that training that you had there is uh, then all for not considering the business, our business, this music no, business that we're in? certainly
2: not. I mean, I learned so much there, and I think just not only about performance and playing and, and music, but about just life and culture. And I think that's what's led us into being able to continue this business around the globe. And, and I mean, I think that's where I, I gained all of my knowledge for working with cultures and and people and interacting with my my roommates in our apartment in Austria in Salzburg was it was myself someone from Korea two people from Japan and a guy from Germany so talk about a mix of cultures in one place it was
1: but you got hooked on the German thing because we have a German office which you set up. you and your brother Michael and uh, speaking of Michael Michael What is your earliest memory of what I was doing and what propelled you to get into this whole thing?
0: Uh, I would say my journey was slightly different uh, than Brian's. I distinctly remember you coming home late at night uh, with your saxophone case, probably eight years old, seven years old or so. Yeah, and, uh, and then, of course, you bringing us to the studio on the weekends uh, when we were young and we'd be playing with the phones and uh, <laughs> pretending that we were ordering pizzas and you know walking around the studios and everything. But uh, I distinctly remember building out of a cardboard box in my bedroom in my own recording studio, and I set up my Casio keyboard player. I set up my electronic drum pads. And um, I I whatever that. else I, I had. I remember that. Yeah. And because I wanted to be like you. Uh, and that was kind of the, the whole thing there of, of being able to create something from nothing and be able to... Say, oh my gosh! Look, this is the commercial that's on the TV uh, back in the in that day. A lot of jingles and uh, mm-hmm. famous jingles. So it was exciting. It was exciting to play uh, clarinet. Not as proficient as Brian as far as reading. Uh-huh. <laughs> and who was late to the interview? <laughs> uh, and um, and a performer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but playing more by ear. My, the problem that I had was I would have to ask them to play something for me first and then I could get it. Uh, So I wasn't as a proficient reader. So you inherited some of my inability to read music. Right. Which uh, would take me to another experience of the three of us playing Christmas Eve. Oh, go ahead. Talk about it. (laughs) In church. uh, Every Christmas Eve, we would go off on our own and start doing whatever we wanted to do, although we sounded good and we played within the context of what the piece of music was. And this one was getting so frustrated with us all the time yeah. and said, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. You until the last year that we were playing together Christmas Eve and we all started laughing through our horns. Right. Which is a maddening sound. Yeah. And then the congregation started laughing with us and that was it. We never played again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, broke up the band. Yeah, broke up we Broke the band. up the band. And then off to college. Steady music business. At Western, which at is Western, a good business school, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you have though
1: other aspirations to do something else other than music?
0: I well, thought I thought you told me you wanted to be a policeman. Yeah, well, I would have probably been an FBI agent or something like that, so I could flash my badge and you know go do that type of stuff. I, I honestly, I don't know. Uh, once I got the little itch uh, into the music. Scene mm-hmm. that for me was kind of it. You're listening to Yakin with Yessian.
1: Visit danyesian.com and sign up for the newsletter to receive all the latest content, including vlogs, podcasts, and all things related to Dan's feature work and Armenian trilogy. Now back to the conversation. Tell me about either one of you. Uh, what happened in terms of uh, you wanting to make the company? Part of your career Brian you started out Saying that you were interning And you The bug bit you But then Michael uh, How did that all go
0: Well Brian was working here While I was in college Mm -hmm. And uh, You were still just Kind of fresh into the whole industry and figuring out the way and making some changes and moves and all that with with how things were and how things maybe should be, uh, and then when I expressed my interest to you mm-hmm. to get into this, oh, tell him. Uh, you said, "I don't think you want to do this," <laughs> and I said, "Bullshit, <laughs> I do want to do this." <laughs> and uh, you said, "You." you you pretty much put me under the microscope of you're not going to do this and I said I am going to do this and this went back and forth for a little bit until I proved to you why and how I'm going to do this in a letter that I wrote to you a three-page letter a three-page letter of why this is something that I need to fulfill for myself and this is something that is a passion of mine and
1: I had concerns because here we are now with both of my sons entering what I would call a very risky business because first of all, emanating out of Detroit, I mean, the only relationship of our company to anything else musical uh, doesn't really exist. There's Motown, we had Motown, uh, and we had Stars, but did they have anything to do with what we do?
0: No, there was nothing else here.
1: No. What kinds of things, now that you guys have been doing this a long time, and it's a family business, what kinds of things are, could assuredly produce failure? We've been around for 50 years. Yeah. Uh, Why? Uh, Why, and could we have failed? Uh, We can still fail, of course, but what are the things that
2: could create failure? Well, (laughs) Number one is family. I mean, there's the three of us here, and uh, if we didn't get along, I don't think much would be happening here. Yeah, so yeah, I mean,
1: that, that you are you know, so right. I mean, that's
2: number one. Yeah, I think very fortunate. I mean, this. How many family businesses fail? I, I think there's probably uh, over fifty percent. I would guess. Probably do. Especially uh, when the sons come in, right? Well, yeah. I sure. mean, I mean, I have to pull his weight, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I th- yeah, but I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, luckily we always had a very close family, not only in our, the family of the four of us with mom, but also beyond that with, with close family and cousins. And, and I mean, family was always a big part of us growing up and uh, having family values and, and, you know, getting along with each other and, and compromising and, and, and I mean, Michael and I have different personalities completely, but we still find common ground and ways to, you know, compromise and work together. I mean, if we couldn't do that, or you know, working with you and being able to over all these years, being able to, then we ha- all have very different traits and, and very different characteristics in the way that we, whether it's the way that we pr- um, produce a job or um, interact with each other, and, and we just have to find ways to. Or the direction that we want to see the business go into. Sure, and, and we have debates about that kind of stuff. We, we have, have discussions. Has
1: there been any jealousy between you two that you would be able to say that could create some problem? Well, he's jealous every day. <laughs> 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 what about wives? How important are you? You're both married. You, Brian, have uh, two. Uh, I have two, two wives. Uh, two wives. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, not two wives. That's the other one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh,
1: I can't tell you <laughs> so, yeah. so so you have two children. Michael, you have three children. You're both married. You have what, how important are the whys of these situations?
2: Well, I mean in our work I mean with, with growing up with, with mom, I mean she you you always worked very late and you were gigging out on the weekends, so you were gone. On Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights until two, three in the morning. So you right. weren't home a lot, and uh, or you know during the week you're working. And even when you came home, you'd go into your you know little study office and and play the piano and, and work. Right. I mean now with with what we're doing. I mean Michael and I not right now because of the pandemic, but we're we travel a lot. I mean we're on the road all the time i mean myself more international michael all around the us i mean every other week we're we're somewhere and and uh you know there there has to be there has to be a lot of understanding from your wife or your spouse to be able to um you know work with that and, and that relationship and the dynamic and being in and out and in and out and even when we're in we're still out because we're working around the globe speaking of international
1: uh i know uh You know, of course, when I started, I was doing a lot of car jingles, and then we, uh, naturally I was able to pull that out so I could lift it beyond that scope to other things, including uh, film trailers and music for other uh, media. But, um, what things would you say that you've done that have taken the business beyond uh, in terms of the scope of what we've been able to pull off for these 50 years? You came 25 years ago, you 20 years, 19, 20 years ago. What what things would you say, well, beyond what the old man was doing, we did blah. What was that?
0: I mean, I would say the diversification of what we've done has been a game changer. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Creatively, for all of our teams, uh, I mean, everyone's growth from that creatively has just been exponential. Um, Oh, just to push into other markets. The different locations I mean, New York, L.A., Hamburg, Germany. Michael, why don't
1: you talk to uh, the audience about our first entry into New York?
0: Yeah, uh, we were looking at different spaces uh, and we finally found a space that we were wanting to land on and it came down to then the negotiation for the space and signing a lease. So, me, always always being the one that likes to negotiate, said, Dad, I'll go in and, you know, negotiate this deal. I went with you. And, yeah, you were with me, and we stayed in a beautiful hotel with rats and mice running around. Thank you feet. very much for setting that up, Michael. Of course. and It's a good deal. Uh, it was a great deal. <laughs> so, we walk into this building, and you said, Michael... I'm going to do the negotiating, watch how I handle this." And so I said, okay, have at it. We walk, we go up this elevator ride to whatever 14th floor or whatever it was, and meet the owner of the building and there's a huge uh, conference room table, we're on one end, he's at the other end. and. so I'm waiting to see what you're going to say and he says okay if you guys want this is this is what it is this is how much it is per square foot yada 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 and then you tried to negotiate Mm -hmm. and completely failed thank you and he and he said (laughs) if you don't want this space go back to your farmland in Michigan (laughs) and and kept going off and off and off and it was I'm sitting back laughing inside inside and thinking yeah. oh boy here we go and uh he say something like boys you better hike up your pants you're in new york city you yeah. better
1: pull up your pants you're in <laughs> yeah. new york city
0: <laughs> and uh that was that you signed the lease as it. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: Aiken with the ASEAN,
0: a podcast about music and its business
1: we got hamburg germany how does that come about and why because you were rooming with somebody Yet the Mozart tan that happened to be German.
2: No, no, I just—I mean, I always, I you know, started speaking German, so I—I love going over there. I mean, I—I I just love going anywhere in the world. <laughs> of course, world. we you know could, that. Me, Why don't you
1: tell you anybody know. about the pins you have on the wall of places that you've been throughout the world? Uh, I can't even count.
2: Yet. Yeah, but there's a lot. Yeah, a I lot think. of places. Uh, And and this job has taken me to a lot of those places that I would never have gone to on my own in the depths of China and India and Indonesia. But with Germany, I had always liked going back there anyways. Uh, I mean, it really started because Marlena, who runs the New York office, she had a very close friend that was at an agency in New York. She went over to Frankfurt, Germany, to Saatchi. We started doing some work there. What
1: kind of work? The audience might want to know what kind of work we were
2: doing. It was mostly baby diaper products. (laughs) (laughs) But very, you know, very absorbent. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, well, gosh, it'd be great to see if we could get some other work. I mean, I was always going on the road anyways to different markets and doing presentations and i thought well maybe i could use this as a launching point to see if there's other work in germany because we're it's been very successful uh, over there with this we were doing great quality work but it's you have to go in and meet new people that you've never met before so right. it started off at that agency we did some presentations and we started doing some more work in within it was saatchi and Sachi in frankfurt and we got more opportunities and then I had been also going to the Cannes Advertising Festival every year or for I, maybe just two or three years at that point. It was pretty early on with Marlena. And we'd be meeting people from around the globe. And I had met Ingmar, who now runs our Hamburg office in Cannes, just casually at a party, started talking. That's, gosh, over 10 years now, and which is amazing. <coughs> so we've been kind of doing the thing in Hamburg now for over 10 years with him, starting off at just, in a room, basically starting off in, in his apartment and then going to a room and expanding. And now we have a, a nice team of you know six people there
0: and- With a studio. Full studio yeah. and in yeah. a great part of the town. Right. LA was the next logical stop on the train. The creative out there is incredible. I mean, from the commercial standpoint. And um, again, diversification as well getting more into on the network television side was extremely appealing network promos we opened up a uh, studio in uh, Venice we have a a fantastic team over there as well very creative team also uh, at this point wanting to branch out into more long form content as well especially with all the streaming uh, platforms out there currently Mm -hmm. so there's there's still a lot of ambition and growth that uh, that we see for the West Coast. Our staffs between New York,
2: Detroit, L.A., Germany. We have our full-time staff of producers, creatives, and composers, and then utilizing freelance composers and sound designers when we need them as well. How many projects. freelance
1: composers do you think? Oh, uh, there's have hundreds freelance. that we use.
2: Yeah. I mean, really. It all depends on the project and... and where are they at? All at, over
0: the world. Everywhere. It takes a village. That's a big village.
1: You guys are always somewhere, and so those hours are really... I don't know if anybody realizes this, but there's no such thing as a 40-hour week,
0: work week. Uh, and it's usually... What is it? 70, 80 hours a week? Sure, it can be. But we yeah. also really enjoy the people that we work with and for. And the teams that we have. Te- I mean, the teams that we have are remarkable. I mean, they just beyond remarkable, yeah. The, the work they produce, the
2: creative thinking behind every person that we have here. Yeah, the ideas are, are incredible. We have one of the most amazing teams in the industry. I mean, I, I meet people and know people from all over the globe and, uh, that I work in this industry. And I think by far we have some of the best teams yeah. anywhere. We've had a great advantage of keeping people with our team, including Gerard Samaric, who's been with us for probably over 25 years now, Grammy Award winner, produced the likes of Bob Seeger and Anita Baker, Laura Woolley, our business manager, who's been with us for well over 30 years, leading all of our financial in the company, and Helen Kay, who was a sales rep with us for close to 30 years as well. Let me ask you something.
1: In terms of my directing you, was I too hands-on, or was I not hands-on enough, or did I put you on automatic pilot? Can you explain to the audience how the father
0: interacted with the sons? (laughs) I would say it never started out on automatic pilot, that's for sure. It was always hands-on and skimming over our, our ideas. shooting some down saying yay nay to others it was all over the place and of course the thought of failure always scares anyone but sometimes it actually takes a good fail to realize what you should have or could have done differently and then you go back and you do it again and that's yeah, we had a we had a number of those, I think, as well. And
2: then oh, yeah. you retool and figure out what to do. But I think there was always a an element of caution in everything that we did, and especially coming from you, we've always taken a cautious route in the way that we approach. Well, that brings business.
1: me to the subject of uh, breakup of a music house, uh, because yes, we've been around for these fifty years, and yes, it's kind of a milestone. Uh, but on the other hand why do music companies or for that matter why do bands break up uh, especially when they're in the midst of success what happens there why why does that happen
0: differences from differences of
1: opinion creative disagreements you name it. but everybody's let's say maybe everybody's making a few bucks they should be happy blah blah blah
0: how about I mean at the end of the day I don't think the money, is gonna make you happy. I think you have to really it's the culture, it's the
2: enjoy the, the way that Europe. people work and interact with each other. You have to still in in somewhat enjoy what you're doing. If you hate going to the office every day and you can't it's, if it's uh becomes you guys are having are good. you having fun? No. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Yakin with
1: Yesian. Thanks for tuning in. As always, visit danyesian.com
0: for all the latest content. See you soon.